The following program is brought to you by the friends and partners of Creation Today and by viewers like you. Thank you. University campuses across the nation are throwing around all kinds of doubts about the existence of God. How do we preserve our faith in such a hostile environment? The question is, how do we deal with doubt? That's what we'll learn on today's show. And by the end of the show, I think you're going to be surprised at what doubt really proves. There's a war going on in our world against Christianity. Are you ready to defend your faith in Christ? The Creation Today Show provides you with the ammunition you need. We prepare you to defend your faith. Arm your children and raise up a family that glorifies the Creator, Jesus Christ. This season we're teaching you battleship apologetics. Science, history, individual experience, philosophy, Battleship Apologetics. Today's guest is author, speaker, and former cold case homicide detective Jim Wallace as we discover the difference between reasonable doubt and non-reasonable doubt in Is Your Doubt Reasonable? Welcome to the Creation Today Show. There are two words you always hear when talking about Christianity, especially creation science. Those words are faith and doubt. And today we are going to talk about doubt. It's really important to know when to take doubt seriously and how to respond to it. You know, there can be a lot of powerful feelings that surround doubt. My daughter Stephanie is 13 years old. She's actually on set with us today. And I'm really glad she's here because she's going to face doubts in the future and she needs to know how to respond to those. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our doubts come from real questions that we should pursue answers to, but other times the doubts are just completely irrational and they come from our emotions. You know, Peter says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. What are some other sources of doubt? Well, wanting to fit in, yep. fear, sometimes things are easier to believe than others. Yep. That's just a few. So when we're looking at doubt, what's the big question we need to ask ourselves? Here it is. Is this doubt reasonable? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. That reminds me of the legal system and what it takes to convict someone. Jim Wallace wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. I forgot the book. I need to get you that. You did forget the book. Um, okay. I got All one right. in the bookstore. Let me go grab one real quick. Hey, Stephanie. Come here. Okay, I've got an, an, an idea. Why don't you write something on your dad's paper right here? Perfect. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay, I think he's coming. Yeah, Better hurry. All right, here it is. Guys, I'm sorry about that. Forgive me. Okay. I love this book. What a fascinating book. It is. It's a uh, great book. Stephanie, what's going on with my notes over here, sweetheart? Trying to give a little message to Daddy, huh? <laughs> hey, how do you know that she did that? Because uh, it says, hey, Dad. It's kind of obvious. Well, it's possible that somebody else could have done that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like it who? is like me or <laughs> Becky. Or Kent or Clint? Yeah, I'm not seeing Kent or Clint or Becky doing that. And well, it's in my daughter's handwriting. What if it materialized so. onto your piece of paper? <laughs> I don't think it materialized there. 
Well, uh, possibly an alien came in and just wrote, hey, Dad, on your paper. Right. Marianne, if we're talking about possibilities, I'll go with you or Becky or Clint <laughs> or Kent. But I'm really going with... Look at that smile on her face. Yeah. Hey, you just admitted that it is possible that Stephanie didn't write this. I know, but just because I said it's possible, possible that we did. That doesn't make it reasonable. Look, it's in her handwriting. It says, hey, Dad. That's Stephanie. Right. Okay, so it is possible, but it's not reasonable. Oh, gosh. I see what you're doing. Yeah. You're just simply trying to make our point here, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, this is the point uh, we should be making on our show. You know, um, I hear Jim Wallace talking about just because something seems to be possible, it doesn't make our beliefs less reasonable. Exactly. That's something we need to focus on. I, I, well, I want that point to come out on the show because mm -hmm. a lot of people wonder about that. It's kind of like uh, old earth creation. Yeah. When they say, hey, God made the world in 13.4 billion years. It's possible. I go, yeah, but based on what the Bible says, that's not reasonable. Mm -hmm. So just because something's possible, you're right, doesn't make it reasonable. Yeah. It's possible they did this, but I got my money on you, girl. But there's so many young people in college right now, and their professors are saying, well, this is possible, kids. That's and true. so then the kids start saying, well, if that's possible, maybe the rest of what I believe about Christianity mm. isn't possible. I mean, isn't real. And then they end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater and just saying, get rid of that. all of Christianity because of some possibility or some other yeah. explanation. Yeah. And it's then, very and then the, the instructors will put on top of that, well, you're only a Christian because you were raised and born in a Christian family. I hear that one all the time when I go out and speak. Yeah. All the time. No, That's unbelievable. This, we cannot do that. Okay, so these kids, when they, they encounter these arguments, then they just throw away Christianity. And if they, they think if, if it is possible that being wrong means that Christianity is no longer reasonable, you know, that is a, that's a serious Let's make sure that, that comes out. Making. Here's what I find funny, and maybe we can bring this out too. A lot of times an atheistic professor will say something like, um, uh, we'll say to his kids, evolution is a proven fact. Mm -hmm. And then I love, their worldview though can't account for truth. So I love asking the question, hey, could you be wrong about that? Because mm -hmm. the atheistic worldview says, yeah, we could be wrong. Mm -hmm. The Christian worldview is the one that says, yeah. no, we yeah. can actually have truth. So if we can bring that out, I think that'd be really good. Yeah, the young people really need to realize that the possibility of another explanation like evolution doesn't mean that Christianity is less reasonable. So definitely need to be okay. emphasizing that. Here's, that here's what I want, guys. I really want the kids okay. to care about truth in general. Um, we need to make sure, thank you, sweetie. We need to make sure they just start caring about truth. Hey, Clint, how many kids were at that Christian school we were at the other day? About 100. And how many of we, I mean, it was, wow. it was cool. We had a great time. Uh -huh. How many of those kids said they needed to make a decision for Christ? 22, I think. Wow. 22 out That's of 100. That's fifth of the group. Just That's because they're nuts. in a Christian family, just because they're uh -huh. in a Christian school, doesn't mean they have this stuff down. They mm -hmm. really are still, I think, questioning and wondering. And uh, man, I just want God to break through and get to the soul. Jim Wallace was a pastor. You should ask him about that. Oh, yeah. About how to address the add kids. Add that into the notes here. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and that, that is why this show is so important. Absolutely. We really need to reach those kids. I think I'm ready, guys. Right you guys ready? Ready? Oh, wow. Slate. Okay. Oh, it's ready. Okay. okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. Very cute, by the way, Steph. Ready, Five, four, three. Welcome to the Creation Today Show. 
planning your next vacation? Why not make it a creation vacation with the help of our new website, visitcreation.org. Here you'll find many activities from museums and science centers to caves and canyons, all teaching the truth about our great creator. Why wait? Go to visitcreation.org today to begin planning your creation vacation. Today's Creation Network highlight is Question It Bookstore of Durban, South Africa. Question It Bookstore is a growing creation bookshop and ministry proclaiming the gospel of Christ in South Africa. With an expanding selection of books, they also feature a small rock and fossil collection, a galaxy collage, and will offer future tours and local talks. If you are in South Africa, stop by and show them your support. Check out creationnetwork.org to discover more of the creation museums and outdoor creation field trips available to you. Do you find yourself jumping from site to site or wading through thousands of search results to find answers about God's Word and His creation? Well, no more. SearchCreation.org brings the top creation and apologetic websites together into one search engine while ignoring the thousands of sites that push lies and half-truths. So if you have questions about molecular chemistry, deep space, dinosaurs, or how to defend your faith in a godless world, visit us at searchcreation.org. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash creation today. You're watching Battleship Apologetics here on Creation Today. Welcome back to the Creation Today Show. Today we are discussing doubt, and our guest is Jay Warner Wallace, author of Cold Case Christianity and his new book, God's Crime Scene. Mr. Wallace, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to be with you guys again. It's been fun the last time. Looking forward to another great session. Well, we've got a question for you. What is the legal difference between reasonable doubt and non-reasonable doubt? Yeah, this is a tough one, even to explain to jurors, because we don't want to give them a, you know, it's not a percentage. It'd be nice to say, well, once you reach a certain percentage, but how would you ever determine that percentage number anyway? So what we try to do is just offer the kinds of things that we think are inbounds and out of bounds. So for example, there is a difference between possible doubt and reasonable doubt in the sense that the standard of proof in criminal trials is beyond a reasonable doubt, not beyond a possible doubt, because if it was beyond a possible doubt, you would never convict anybody because yeah. there's just no way to get beyond all the... I mean, every case we work has unanswered questions, sometimes significant unanswered. Let me give you an example, and it'll kind of help you see the difference. I had a case from 1981. A guy killed his wife and got rid of her body and claimed that she ran off. And we, we believed him as an agency in 1981. As a matter of fact, we didn't work this as a homicide. It was classified as a missing persons case. And we didn't work it as a homicide for another uh, six years. Six years. Wow. And so by the time we started working it, we didn't have, no one ever took a picture of, of the crime scene. No one ever collected any evidence. We didn't have a single piece of physical evidence. We had nothing to go on. And when the jurors got the case and finally had to make a decision, they couldn't answer key questions that were important. They couldn't answer, how did he kill her? Don't know. Where did he kill her? Uh, don't know. How did he get rid of her body? Uh, don't know. How did he move her car? We couldn't answer these really significant questions. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yet they found him guilty on the evidence we did have, which really came down to his changing story over time. Now, you might think that's not really a lot of evidence, and it really isn't. But at the, uh, we convicted him, and then at the sentencing hearing, 
he confessed to the crime and gave us the location of his wife's body. So we know we have the right guy, even though we have these huge unanswered questions. So the first principle we got to remember is you can have unanswered questions, yet still hold the truth and be able to make a right decision about the truth, even though you can't answer significant questions. So here's the difference I always say. Reasonable doubts are those doubts that are raised by evidence that cause you to have to assess how to best infer the evidence. Possible doubts are just the kind of nagging questions you have in your mind. Well, I don't really quite understand this. And couldn't it have happened this way? And what if? What if questions. We always talk about this with juries. You're not even allowed to ask what if questions when you're in jury deliberations. You're not allowed to speculate, quote unquote, about things that haven't been offered to you in the trial. Well, what if it happened that way? Well, do you have any evidence to suggest that? Well, no. Then that's a possible doubt. And you need to put that on the whiteboard and the category of possible doubts. And in the end, you're not to, to, to waste time with your possible doubts. You're to really stop and think carefully about your reasonable doubts that are raised by the evidence. So the first thing we tell people is, hey, having certainty does not mean, and we ask this of jurors, do you have to have every question answered before you will make a decision? And if you said, yeah, you know, I'm the kind of person who really, I can't have nagging questions to be sure, well, then you can't be on our jury because that, that's the case. Nobody lives this way. We all have doubts about it's possible that if you're married, it's possible your spouse is, is cheating on you. I mean, you, everyone I've ever known who's uh, found out uh, and was surprised by it. They didn't have any idea the day before, but we don't live that way. We don't live on possibilities. We live with reasonable expectations and reasonable doubts based on the evidence. And that's really the difference between possible doubt and reasonable. Great, great answer. Hey, I appreciate yeah. the explanation there. That helps. Now, now, what are some of the reasonable and non-reasonable doubts that Christians face that cause them to fall away? Yeah, and I think you see this all the time, and, and the internet now has become the uh, most amazing place to post your possible doubt objections to Christianity, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it seems like, hey, if I design a website, or if I'm blogging on somebody else's well-known website, and I launch this objection, doesn't just the fact that it appears on a website legitimize it in some way, doesn't it <laughs> kind of help make it sound like it's a legitimate, and if the organization that hosts this blog, let's say, uh, has this in a, a comment section of the blog, doesn't just the fact that somebody verbalizes it make it legitimate? Let me say one thing yeah. about that. Every case I've ever worked, we spend four weeks, five weeks, six weeks in front of a jury making our case. Well, when we get done, the opposition doesn't just stand up and say, you know what, that was really good. and We give it nothing to say. We're just going to rest. No. <laughs> they now spend the next four, five, six weeks presenting their own alternative theory, their own set of witnesses, their own alleged pieces of evidence. They present an entirely, and I've had this happen, just to have the defendant ultimately confess so that none of that stuff they presented for six weeks, apparently, was true because ultimately he's going to confess to mm -hmm. it, yet they spent six weeks making an alternative, really a very robust alternative explanation, wow. none of which was true. So folks, the fact that somebody can voice an objection and can even articulate it robustly, articulate it in a way that seems compelling, even offer pieces of evidence and expert witnesses, means nothing. Mm -hmm. Everyone can do this. It doesn't mean that it's true. This is also the case for us. So let me give you an example in Christianity because you asked about that. How many times have you heard the objection that Jesus is just a recreation of prior mythologies? Yes. Like yes.
Cyrus, Isis. I mean, we get this all the time, don't we? Yes. Now, it turns out, if you examine the evidence of the alleged similarities between, let's say, Mithras and Jesus, and if they make a list of ten similarities, take the time to actually investigate whether those similarities are even part of the Mithras story. When I first looked at it, and looked at it evidentially, I realized, wow, of these ten claims of similarity between Mithras and Jesus, none of them were supported by the evidence. There is no evidence that any Mithras believer ever believed those things, that it was ever taught about those things. These are things that people have created online over the, the culture of mythology. This is really not evidentially supported. So we want to make sure, okay, those doubts, those are in the possible doubt range. They are not in the reasonable doubt range because they are not supported by the evidence. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of young people are going to go out to college here, or they're in college right now, and there's parents that are going, oh my goodness, I'm worried about my kids because they're going to start being bombarded with things and they're going to start having doubts. How should Christians deal with doubt? Okay, so, so I really think that, that I look at biblical reasons to support for this because um, we're Christians and if we, if we start off as Christians and you send your kids to, to university and we're all in the Christian family before they go, then I think it's reasonable for us to look at how Scripture it tells us to handle doubt. And, and I've got a family, it's all atheists, and then my dad remarried, and I've got a family of Mormons. And how Mormons handle doubt is different than how Christians handle doubt. How Mormons handle their questions is different than how we do. Here's what I mean. Typically, uh, my Mormon family would say, if you've got a doubt, you just need to, to read and to pray about it. And God will confirm the truth of this claim for you. You'll get an experience that you'll mm -hmm. be able to know is validation from the Holy Spirit that this is actually true. But that is not how Jesus handled doubt. And you see this when John the Baptist sends his disciples to, to, to Jesus and says, Hey, uh, Jesus, uh, John sent us. He's in custody right now. And he wants to know, are you the one? And so now you have the disciples of John, and John, anyone should know better, right? I mean, he's Jesus' cousin. He <laughs> leapt in the womb when their mothers met. He baptized Jesus. It's not, he, most of his disciples he sent to Jesus. It's not as though anyone, he's got good reason to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. But here, at this critical juncture when he's in custody, he's about to die in custody, he has a question, he sends his disciples. Now, what does Jesus say to them? He could say, you know, tell John to suck it up and start praying more about this and we'll get it confirmed and the Holy Spirit will confirm it. He could say, he could scold him. He doesn't say any of that. Here's what Jesus does. He does three miracles in front of John's disciples and he says, go back and tell John what you just saw. Wow, that's a very evidential approach. Because that yes. says, you know, look, I understand it, I get it. I can tell you more, I can say more, but I'll tell you what I'll do instead. I'll give you some evidence that you can then go share with John. And that's what I think is so powerful for our young people. Look, in the end, here's the uncomfortable mathematics of the university. One, uninformed, unequipped, underprepared students that we send out of our churches into the, into the university. Two, a hostile, uh, usually more, much more secular uh, uh, environment than anything they've ever been exposed to where, where professors are four times more likely to be atheists than the general population. And they have a very low regard for scripture, a very low regard for Christians. Three, this is the other thing we always want to overlook. Young people are like us. They are fallen by their nature. They want to chase their stupid passions and desires like all of us do. I get that. So if you can give me an alternative worldview that will allow me to, to accept some view of how we got here and how things have changed over time, and it will also allow me to say uh, have time with my girlfriend in a way that I won't feel um, guilty about. 
Well, goodbye Christianity. You've given yeah. me the alternative. Is This is the tail that's wagging the dog to begin with. And so we want to make sure that our young people have good evidence to support these claims. Now, they may run off and do things they shouldn't do. I see it all the time. And I always tell my kids as a youth pastor, if you're going to run off and do stupid, okay. I've been there. I was an atheist until I was 35. I've done stupid. But if you do that because you don't think this is, you know, you can do all that because you're just being driven by your desires. That's on you. But if you're doing that because you don't think this is true anymore, that's on me as your pastor. So I want to make sure that you know this is true. And if you're going to do all of that, you're coming back. You're coming back because you know the truth. And that's the old rubber band theology, right? Yeah. You come back, the more you pull that rubber band, it hurts more when you release it. So don't get too far away because it's going to hurt more when you come back. So I always say, hey, I want our young people to know this is true evidentially so that at least when they do the stuff that we're going to be inclined to do, they always know in the back there's a certain kind of a sense that this isn't right. I know it's not right. I need to return to the truth. Now that is good teaching right there. And as a youth pastor, you know, I tell you, we're, we're out of time in our segment right now. Can you stick around? Because I want to talk to you more about the youth and what's going on. We'll do an extended interview with, uh, with Mr. Wallace uh, coming up here. And after the show, you can go check it out on our website, creationtoday.org. In the meantime, you need to make sure and order his books, Cold Case Christianity and God's Crime Scene. Yes. Man, Mr. Wallace, thanks for all the work Amazing. you've done to equip Christians to yes. understand the truth. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. There's been an incredible con that's occurred in the culture. Evolution in millions of years is the greatest myth ever forced on the minds of men. Big Bang, evolution, millions of years, people just believe it blindly. How can you not believe that somebody designed all of this? We know he exists because of creation. just faith, we have science. It's really on our side. Today we're going to explore some evidence from a catastrophic flood that ripped through our own backyard at the end of the Ice Age. It's called the Lake Missoula Flood. The Creation Explorers will journey into this flood's path. They will explore the features carved by the Missoula Flood and see how these same features can be seen across the Earth. This evidence for catastrophic flood erosion shows us just how possible the Bible's global flood catastrophe can be. You're watching Battleship Apologetics here on Creation Today. Welcome back to the Creation Today show. You know, Marianne, have you ever been on a jury? No, have you? I have not had that pleasure. But here's something I never knew that Jim told us. Mm -hmm. I never knew jury members are not allowed to ask what if questions. Oh, yeah, that Think was about a good it. Thing. If they start asking what if questions, then they could never find someone guilty. There's always a what if. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why they have to deal with the facts presented and not allowed to have speculations on ideas that are not addressed in the courtroom. You know, today it seems that the professors at secular colleges just want to ask questions rather than present truth. The college classroom has become the box office selling doubt and not truth. Let me take this to a little bit of a deeper level. What does it mean to doubt something? 
See, doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. Exactly. Okay. So doubt assumes lots of things. It assumes reasoning. It assumes truth. It assumes proof. It assumes knowledge. Did you know you can't make sense of any of those without God? Mm, so when you doubt anything, you are using things that outside of God could not exist. Exactly. For example, let's look at truth for a second. If I doubt a claim, I'm feeling uncertainty about the truth of the claim. Here's the question. What is necessary for truth to exist? Well, Eric, today many people believe that absolute truth or universal truth doesn't exist. This is called relativism. The problem is relativism is illogical. Mm -hmm. And just because a whole lot of people believe relativism doesn't make it true. A good question to ask people who say, there is no absolute truth, is to say this, are you absolutely sure about that? <laughs> And when they say yes, they have made an absolute statement, which contradicts the very claim that there are no absolutes. Yes, they're engaging in a self-defeating argument. It'd be like me arguing against the existence of air. What do I have to use to argue against air? Air. Yeah, or if I was to argue against words and say, Marianne, I don't believe in words. What do I have to use to argue against words? Words. I have to use words. These are self-defeating arguments. Mm -hmm. So doubt assumes truth and truth assumes God. That's right. In order to know something to be absolutely true, you would have to either know everything or know someone who knows everything. Well, think of it like this. You can't know anything to be absolutely true without absolute knowledge or someone who has absolute knowledge. And that is why truth assumes God. He is the only one with absolute knowledge. So when you doubt the Bible, you assume God. When you doubt Christianity, you assume God. When you doubt evolution, you assume God. When you doubt anything at all, you are assuming God exists. This idea will revolutionize your thought process and any questions you have about doubt. If a doubt comes up, you're going to remember in the future, doubt assumes God. Doubt assumes truth. Uh, doubt assumes truth. Truth assumes God. That's exactly right. So what worldview demands that truth exists? Okay, let's take a look at the major world religions. They all claim to point to the truth. The Hindu scripture, the Vedas, says truth is elusive and hard to find. Buddha, at the end of his life, said, I'm still searching for truth. Yeah. Muhammad wrote, I point to the truth. Atheists must claim there is no absolute truth. Jesus was different. He never claimed to point to truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So while other religions claim to point to the truth, Jesus is the truth. Hey, two things we want you to keep in mind as you consider doubts. One, just because something else is possible doesn't mean that it's reasonable. Mm -hmm. And two, anytime you doubt something, you're assuming truth. Truth assumes God. 
Well, thank you for joining us today. It is our prayer that this information will encourage and equip you to defend the truth of Christianity yeah. in a powerful way. If you still have questions, please send them into questions at creationtoday.org or you can comment on the show at comments at creationtoday.org. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Get the ammunition you need to defend your faith by visiting our website for up-to-date content, attending one of our live events, and shopping online at creationstore.org. We are Creation Today.